Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And this is one of those episodes that we do where we're following some stories on social media. And we thought, you know what? We would like to weigh in on this. Um, we are going to talk about mixed messages from the LDS Church. Isn't that right, Landon? Yeah, and there's a lot of them. So we'll, yes. we've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> That's right. So this is going to be a 17-hour episode. Everybody buckle it. No, I'm completely kidding. We are going to focus on some things that have been happening recently. And as as we discussed before, and we'll talk about it more later, in our opinion, there, there are sort of two kind of sides to the membership of the church. There's a more progressive side, and there's a more, I would say, conservative, maybe orthodox side. Is that how you would describe it, Landon? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's definitely been kind of a rift in the church, and just like politics in the United States, uh, where we've seen, you know, people going clear to the edges, uh, the same thing's happening in the church. You've got the progressive side, and you've got the orthodox side, and the two uh, seem to be at odds with each other, and it's kind of interesting to see uh, how the church wants to try to pander to both sides. That's exactly right, and and that results in mixed messaging because everybody is kind of hearing what they think that they hear, but then certain things happen where it appears that the church is really coming down on one side or the other, and then of course the other side is is understandably upset and confused. So we are just we are going to talk about this confusion. There were two videos that came out recently, one from Jacob Hansen and one from Greg Matson, and we are going to show little clips from those, but I actually combined the titles of their video into what I think is this great explanation of what we're going to talk about. Can we go on like this? LGBTQ confusion and clarity in the church. This is a title based on both of their videos. So let's just roll these. And again, these are reactions and statements from people that would be considered the more conservative members, um, perhaps more orthodox members of the LDS church. And they're reacting to things that they have seen recently um, going on with the church, which we'll also dig into later. But let's play Jacob's video first, I think, and, and we'll link these in the show notes so you can watch them at length. But we're just going to show a little clip to kind of give you the idea of what they're talking about. We have a major problem in the church with confusion. I am here essentially to echo what Elder Oaks has said. This problem is big and it's only growing. And unless church leadership creates clarity for members, this confusion will continue and people will lose faith that the church actually believes the doctrines it proclaims. Actions speak louder than words sometimes. Now please do not take this video in the wrong way. I don't claim to have the answers. I fully support the brethren. I encourage everyone to go to their priesthood leaders to talk about their concerns around this issue. I am here in all sincerity trying to bring awareness to the very real struggle of faithful members who are confused. To the leaders, I say that we need your help. We need your guidance. We sustain you. To those watching this video, please, sustain the brethren, work within the proper priesthood channels to help create clarity within you and within your stewardship as you echo the words of our prophet on these subjects. May the spirit of the Lord guide us as we seek to do this and build his kingdom. Um, 
it, it that sums it up pretty clearly. They're basically Jacob is basically saying there are words and doctrines um, spoken from the the pulpit, right, from leaders that don't seem to match actions that are happening. And so he's encouraging faithful members to perhaps go talk to their local leaders, maybe to run the message up the chain and say, what is happening here? Is that kind of how you took, and you've watched the whole video. Is that kind of how you took it? Yeah, I watched the whole video and it, it was amazing to me because I uh, usually would not agree with hardly anything that Jacob uh, said, but I found myself in complete uh, yeah. agreement with him. Uh, they are sending messages that you're going, what's going on here? What What is it that they want the members to do? And I'm in complete agreement with him. I found myself agreeing with him and in about 90% of the of, of the podcast. So when you have the uh you know the uh faithful podcasters and the uh post-Mormon podcasters all in agreement on something, that's a pretty good indication the church might have a problem with their messaging that everyone's agreeing. Uh we don't even know what you're trying to say here. Right. Right. And that is what we want to focus on today, messaging and confusion. Whether we agree or disagree with how things are interpreted, that's the bottom line. We agree on this. There is confusion. So let's watch Greg now, and he echoes the same sentiment. First off, Jacob Hansen of Thoughtful Faith put out a video today very much articulating the confusion that many members of the church have. I want to add some additional clarity, I believe, to what he is saying and what is happening and what isn't happening in regards to these very confusing issues. There seems to be many mixed signals coming from Salt Lake, where we have a specific message from the pulpit, and yet it seems at times in practice something completely different is happening. So let's cover the confusion first, and then let's move ourselves back to some clarity here. First, because of some of the things that are happening, many people believe that this is simply a road being paved toward same-sex marriage in the temple. That's the big thing. It is hoped for by some members. Some people put their hope in this change instead of their hope in Christ. And others are just very fearful that that might be where we're going and somehow everything that we've been taught in terms of the doctrine of the family, which is part of the doctrine of Christ. And everything we go through in the temple is somehow going to unravel. Exactly. So he echoed exactly what Jacob said. There is confusion. What do you want us to do or to think? You're saying one thing and then your your actions say something else. Is that how you took his his message? Yeah, and in this case, it's uh, specifically to the LGBTQ yes. question. Uh, I, I think there's many other places where they're also sending mixed messages, uh, but this is kind of what they focused on. And their complaint is, hey, you're getting up and you're telling us all of these things that we should be doing in regarding uh, LGBTQ, and yet when it comes to practice, you guys are not implementing it in the same way that you're preaching it. And you seem to be leaving it up to local leaders uh, to implement these policies. And as a result, uh, we're getting uh, a lot of different, depending on who the bishop is, it's basically bishop or stake president roulette. You're getting different rulings and different uh, messages as to how you're supposed to deal with uh, what they see as the LGBTQ issue. And so as a, as a result, they're, they're calling out to the leader saying, hey, you're supposed to have the mantle of authority to receive revelation. 
it's time you start giving us the revelation mm -hmm. and quit talking out of both sides of your mouth. You need to be specific on how we're supposed to deal with a lot of legitimate issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would hate to be a local leader trying to decide this because you you are, you're getting mixed messages and you're There's supposed no to make a decision that may be overruled by the brethren at some point, uh, but you have no guidance to go off of. And I think that's the complaint that they're that they're putting out there. Absolutely. And I think that's by design, right? <laughs> it's oh, a absolutely. plausible deniability there. Exactly. Well, I think it's plausible tithability that if they can talk <laughs> to both groups, they can keep the butts in the seats and they can uh, continue to receive tithes and offerings uh, from both sides. In fact, some of these was we go through, we'll find out that even uh, when they allow people in, they can always pay their tithing. They may not be allowed to go to the temple. Uh, right. They can pay their tithing always. So Wow, Landon, that's an amazing phrase, plausible tithability. And that absolutely fits perfectly with what we're trying to say. Our slide here says, understandably confused. And if we go to our next slide, we have actually been podcasting. I feel like this issue has been bubbling under the surface, um, sort of in a concentrated way for a little while here, and then it's really erupted. So this is exactly what we're talking about, the plausible tithability. Oh my gosh, I love that. So our episode that we did a couple months ago with the amazing Dr. Randy Bell, the title was, is this what an LDS schism looks like? The Faith Matters Restore Conference 2023. And we talked about this conference that was held with the more, I would say, progressive, nuanced Mormons. And as we went through the speakers and the content, we really came to the conclusion that there are almost two churches within the church, and each can find reasons that they would believe this is what the leaders want them to do. They can live in different ways, but but really a little siloed microcosm of their own church, a progressive church and a conservative, more orthodox church. And it's very rare, I was going to say, almost unheard of, that the church at the top would ever make any kind of statement or take any kind of stand really overtly that would alienate either side. I can think of COVID, right? That That's a situation where the church made a statement about vaccines and masks, that definitely there was a difference of opinion within the church and they saw it, right? Some people said, I'm not going back with that. You know, other people said, thank goodness, you know, you've seen reason and you've told everybody. So I think they shy away from that, but their actions are taking a stand and that's where the confusion happens. Any thoughts on Restore and what we talked about then? Well, the Restore Conference itself is a perfect example of this. Uh, from those that we talked to who went to the conference, they went there and there was you know, gospel music. There were people praying to Mother in Heaven, praying in prayer circles, yeah. uh, behaving very much contrary to what the church uh, teaches us in doctrine that we should believe. In fact, we've had people excommunicated for talking about yes. Mother in Heaven. I think Fiona Givens was uh, basically let go from her position. Yeah. Uh, uh, at uh, I can't remember what the group was that she was running, but uh, she was let go because she started talking about Mother in Heaven. Uh, so Mother in Heaven is one of those very ones where, you know, there's a gospel topics essay saying we believe in her, but you're not allowed to pray to her. And so people are saying, wait a minute, you say we believe in her, but you're not giving us any guidance as to, you know, uh, anything other than, you know, she's there. And so people are are confused. Are we allowed to worship her? Are we not allowed to worship her? Uh, and so 
Uh, the Restore Conference itself is something that probably 10 years ago, anyone that put that together would have been excommunicated. Exactly. And yet not a word from the church as to whether this is acceptable, which leaves people saying, oh, well, this isn't a viable option. Uh, there were a lot of uh, powerful church uh, figures there. I think you had Steve Young there, mm -hmm. uh, if I recall right. There were yeah. there were many notable uh, historians and acad academics from uh, the church that were. I think at the governor was there, wasn't the, yeah, governor, the governor? Was there? Yeah. yeah. So, so you're you're sending a signal that this is sanctioned. This is uh, you know people in good standing can attend this conference and can think this way, and that's okay. And uh, but that's completely contrary to what we hear in conference. Um, exactly. uh, same thing with uh, can you submit your tithing uh, to another charitable organization and claim that you're tithing? Some people are saying do it. Uh, the church then says you know, no, but we, we keep seeing all of these different theories that come out and the church doesn't make clear what, what you're, you can and can't do. And they're supposed to be the ones with the mantle of authority. So restore is a perfect example of this confusion. And am I allowed to do that or not uh, is, yep. is what the church members are asking. And there's silence from the top. I mean, I see people that, you know, say, for me, I don't need to wear my garments. I feel okay. But do you know what I mean? And and there's yet from the pulpit, they're saying yes, yet there's a huge faction of people that have just decided I'm going to, that's going to be a personal choice. So again, and it's kind not of inventing your own religion. <laughs> yeah. You're not enforcing it. You're saying, yeah, well, if you don't, what yeah. some bishops say, yeah, if you don't wear it, uh, uh, that's okay. You know, yeah. I'll still let you go. And people are still going to the temple without yeah. wearing their garments. So yeah. you, your silence is setting uh, is setting up this confusion uh, by not uh, not being clear on what the expectations are. Yep, I would even put perhaps something we're always very interested in podcasting about historicity of the Book of Mormon. In that, you know, <laughs> is it historical? Is it not? You know, you yes, have the different yeah, they, camps. They really don't make a clear statement. They're just you know, and they've gotten away with it for a very long time. But then there are certain issues where both sides are saying, "You need to tell us." Now, well, you got the we Heartland model, you got the Mesoamerican model. And exactly. what does the church say? We don't take a stand. We just say right. it happened in the Americas. We're yeah. not going to take a stand. Yeah. Uh, this is a pretty important thing. If you're going to establish that the Book of Mormon is historical and happened in the Americas, you ought to yeah. take a stand on where it happened at the, so that people yeah. uh, can can uh, study that further. So we're seeing this everywhere. Yeah. And that's why we did the, uh, the the episode on Restore was because, hey, there seems to be a lot of confusion in the church. Uh, it seems to be two, two different churches at this point. Yeah. And it seems that that gulf is widening rather quickly. We thought yeah. this might happen, but this has happened a lot faster than we yes. thought. That's what I was going to say. I think we were sort of prophetic, even in a thumbnail. We have a gulf, a picture of a gulf, uh, you know, a chasm there. We never imagined that some of the bigger things that have happened that we're going to talk about would absolutely, will put a spotlight on it and also widen it even further. So, but, but I think the way the church perhaps might look at it is if you do take a stand, you alienate one side or the other, and they can't afford that because right now, membership is shrinking and you can't do that. You can't have a mass exodus by making a decision that, or any kind of policy or any kind of seeming action that's going to alienate either side. Unfortunately, I think, you know, it, it's forced upon them in some points and people are taking notice, making videos like we just saw. So let's look at our next slide and let's see some of the recent things that have happened. And, and we have podcasted about these or even, or been on other podcasts about this. So, um, 
I think the thing that really put a match to this whole kindling was when the church called a new spokesman, um, Aaron Sherinian, I think is how you pronounce his name. And I had read his bio. He seemed, I was excited about it because he seemed very progressive. He seemed like he'd worked internationally. He didn't seem like your typical church spokesman. Now the church spokesman not only puts out statements for the church, but they they influenced the brethren, as I understand. They work very closely and they sort of, you know, synthesize events for them and explain things to them and work hand in hand. So they make this announcement. And then a week or so later, very quickly, um, social media appears where Aaron is an ally. He's at a pride parade. He's putting out statements um, about his support of that community. And again, you have the two kind of factions in the church, the more progressive Mormons, this is incredible. This validates our point of view that the church is moving a certain direction. You have the more conservative Orthodox saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, this does not align with what we're hearing from the pulpit. And then interestingly, um, his social media that portrayed um, pictures like this was pretty quickly taken down. So we're still left to wonder, you know, my theory at first was, did the church even know about that side you know, of their new spokesman. Did they understand? We've been assured by Jim Bennett that yes, he was completely vetted. They knew, they knew, they knew. So then that's a very positive thing for the progressive side of the church, right? The church knew and they chose this person. They're paving a path. But for the more conservative, they're left shaking their heads saying, what are you doing? What is happening? Yeah, they're trying to uh, have their cake and eat it too. Uh, and you know, the very fact that uh, they picked this man, they picked him knowing he was progressive, knowing that he was uh, LBGTQ ally. And then once he's hired on uh, and and they get some uh, pushback, they immediately tell him to take down his, uh, you know, all of his. Uh, or he own. did it on his own. We don't or know. Or he did it on his own. But yeah. uh, uh, then what kind of a spokesman and what kind of an ally are you if the second that there's any kind of heat you take you, you start uh, backing off and going towards the churches you, there there you're sending a message as the spokesman you're sending the exactly. message that I'm not allowed to have my own opinion on yep. things I must fall in line with the church yep. so again you're sending mixed messages we're going to put an LBGTQ ally out there but he's going to have to pull all of his yeah. uh, all of his material and not say anything even though we all know what, what he is at this point. So uh, it's very confusing for people. I absolutely understand why I I, I applaud the fact that the man uh, stood up and, and yep. has taken that kind of position. It shows progressive thinking. And the church is clearly trying to send a message when they put this person in that we are looking to be more progressive and more inclusive. Uh, but as soon as they take any criticism, they back right off of it. So yeah. is the message that, we're afraid of our orthodox uh, uh, side, yeah. uh, and, and we're we tried to go progressive, but we're going to back off because yeah. rarely do you see the progressive side uh, say anything and they they do anything. But it looks like maybe they said, "Look, we need to we need to appeal to the progressive side and put somebody in who who supports this," and and that uh, turned right around on them because you can't send a message and say this is not allowed, and then you. You 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 uh, you know basically uh, promote it. 
Yeah. And there's so much back and forth. This reminds me of Elder Gong. You remember that where there was a picture of Elder Gong and his son and his son's partner, and they were just, you know, enjoying dinner and Elder Gong, I believe posted it briefly, or maybe the son posted it anyway, it was on social media. And then, you know, Elder Gong either was asked to ask the son to take it down or somehow it came through church channels. We can't have that picture of one of our apostles with a same-sex couple, even though it's his son, who I'm sure he loves, and I'm sure he loves his son's partner too. So again, they're very careful about the messaging. So you do have to look at every step they take and think it means something. And both sides of the church do that. The progressives and the more conservative, they're very aware that things mean something when they are done from the top. So yeah, so this was a big event that kind of sparked off a lot of podcasting and a lot of discussion, the confusion, all of us watching it. Um, Our next slide is a a little story um, that I came across with the help of Mormon Book Review's Steve Pinecker, which is, you know, a smaller story. It's taking place in New York, but it also speaks to what is the message. So um, the congregation in Manhattan, the temple's being remodeled, and within the temple was also a meeting house. They met there, and then they also had the temple. Um, So with the renovation, the congregations, it's I think four or five wards, needed a place to go. And so they searched all over and they found this incredible um, West End church. And they are going to be meeting there for three, maybe longer years as this renovation takes place. Well, Steve Pinecker was familiar with this church. And when he kind of dug into the congregation that would be sharing space with the LDS congregations, he found that it was an incredibly vibrant LGBTQ community with this amazing Reverend Chrisman. Um, there's a picture of him on Bless the Pet Sunday. I mean, these these LDS congregations are going to be in there with pride flags in every window. They are going to be sharing spaces for years with this congregation, with an, you know, a, a pastor in a same-sex uh, marriage, many of their community our allies and LGBTQ themselves. The funniest thing I thought he said, he told us, I we actually, um, we'll link this episode that that I taped with Steve Pinecker because it was really interesting to talk to this, um, this reverend. They have every first Sunday of the month, <laughs> this is kind of off topic, but I think it's funny. They have a huge feast in their common area, a communion feast. So I think about all those wards on the first Sunday, fast Sunday, walking through this giant feast. You know, they say people bring food from everywhere to to get to their meeting and have to fast for the rest of the meeting. But the interesting thing about this interview with Reverend Chrisman was that he did vet many groups that wanted to share space in their building. And he was very careful, he thought, to choose a group that would align with their values. And the statements that he read from the church, he looked at their political voting record, he talked to local people, and he arrived at, he said this, he said, if there was a group that came in and they had, they did not accept same-sex marriage, that was a hard no for us on partnering with him. He said that, and yet from all of the church's messaging, you know, and I'm sure he didn't dig into conference or things like that. He looked at more social media messaging. He believed that this would be a good partnership with a vibrant LGBTQ community. So again, what is this messaging and, and what is this confusion? Is It'll be an interesting story to keep an eye on. Don't you think, Landon? I was fascinated by it. Yeah, and it wasn't just LBGTQ. They also believed uh, women uh, had to have uh, uh, leadership, uh, mm-hmm. important leadership roles was one of their 
requirements yeah. and also diversity, uh, racial yeah. diversity among the top leadership. Yeah. And they believed all of these things uh, were occurring in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And those of us that have been there are going, so where in the world did he get that idea? And the answer is through the church itself. I mean, he yeah. met with church leaders. They, there was a group that came and met with them. He uh, had gone on. He actually, I think, referred to uh, the uh, their voting record on a couple uh, bills recently. Yeah, as we'll talk he about believed that. that they were LBGTQ mm -hmm. friendly. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is the church wants to signal to the outside world that, you know, that that they are uh, LBGTQ friendly, that they welcome all all members, mm -hmm. that they uh, that women have a role in the church, yeah, women that they're that they have a, a large diverse population uh, of 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 people. And when you go to Temple Square, I, I went to Temple Square recently, and they have missionaries from every nationality, yeah, every uh, race, every culture is there. Uh, portraying that we've got this diverse membership, yet you all you got to do is pull up the picture of the uh, first quorum uh, <laughs> or the 70, the general authority pictures that you always see, and you realize there is very little diversity in this group for someone who has half of their membership in South America and Africa is a growing region. There right. should be a lot more racial diversity, and you don't see it. And yeah. but the church puts that message out uh, through their media and their PR, uh, which is a reason that they have a progressive. Uh, that's why they hired that's a progressive it. leader is because yeah. they want to express to the world that they're progressive while behind the scenes they're telling their members, don't do this, don't accept that. Uh, you don't need to apply if you if you're a diverse uh culture because we we don't put people other than made families into uh, our upper leadership uh, and so uh, there's a reason that he was confused there is a reason that he was confused and i will say i believe that reverend chrisman spent a lot of time interacting with the wards there so again then that you know i'm sure it is an extremely progressive wonderful ward you know congregations there and so seeing the people and the message that he got from the people which is probably completely correct, is this is going to be great. You know, not aware, again, of perhaps some of the things at the top, but the people are, you know, living and acting in a way that are going to fit in great with this congregation. So confusion, again, right, to return to our, our now, they run a They may have run a financial report on the church to make sure they could make yeah. a lease payment, and that may okay. have... <laughs> there might be some other factors. Yeah, that is true. And I do know that there also there's going to be another congregation leasing space there. And I haven't heard what the makeup of that congregation is, but it definitely is. It's very interesting. So I, th I think the message there is that the message, this wonderful, and he's just so fabulous, this reverend got was, it's all good. And we're just like you, where again, the two sides of the church are going to say, one's going to say, yeah, that's true. One's going to say, oh no, confusion. All right, let's go to our next slide. So what are the messages? Um, and again, we could podcast for hours about the different messages. So we'll just touch on some. What are the messages from the church? Now, the reverend that I mentioned before, he had never heard of the family, a proclamation to the world. And I didn't mention it um, as we were interviewing. I said, well, there is this document. And I sort of said, I hope that the membership, you know, can learn from your congregation, maybe to look at things in a different way. So what, what is the proclamation, Landon? Let's just tell them very quickly for our viewers or listeners that have not heard of this before. 
Yeah, well, I think I think most everyone has probably heard of it because, you know, as members, we were told to hang it in our homes. Uh, exactly. And the basic message of it is, is that families are uh, to be the nuclear family. Uh, one man, one uh, woman uh, make up a, a family with the husband being the provider and the wife being the nurturer. Mm -hmm. And uh, that gender is eternal, that there's no change yeah. in gender, that, uh, you know, basically it it makes the case that uh, LBGTQ people are not welcome uh, as a part of a family structure, that you cannot have a family structure that looks anything different than one man, one woman. And that's pretty much the family proclamation. <laughs> it is. And and it led to words like counterfeit family and things like that. And, and what a lot of people may not understand is it really started out as a legal brief as they were trying to fight same-sex marriage in Hawaii years ago. You know, it, it started out just as a legal document and it has not yet been completely canonized. Um, that would be a step right there. I think that's when you would see the schism. But I certainly had one hanging in my house. It was made of wood. It was like etched really nice. And and it hung there for a long time. Even once I had stepped away from Mormonism, I kind of forgot it was there. And then one day I walked by it. It was actually right there. And I went, <laughs> like, I grabbed it off. I was thinking, guy, if I had a if I had a lighter or some matches, maybe I could, you know, ceremoniously burn. I didn't. I just threw it in the trash. Um, but yeah, we were definitely encouraged. And this is this is promoted from nursery in the church on. Being in primary, we definitely, we sang songs. We talked about the gender roles. We had the little girls dressing up like mommies to sing. The little boys were wearing little suits. We'd sing family songs and rigid gender roles and one man, one woman. So this is a statement. So again, I can see why the more conservative side of the church says, this is, this is us. This is our doctrine. Here it is. The other side may say, well, you know, we're not sure what that is. I'm, I don't really even know how they explain this. They, they hope it'll go away, I guess is what they, what well, they really think. Well, this, this just leads you to see how completely effective the PR system of the church is and right. really how deceptive the church is that the church who writes a legal brief to fight mm -hmm. same-sex marriage in Hawaii then raises millions of dollars against Prop 8 in California to stop uh, it there, is accepted by a New York congregation as LBGTQ friendly. <laughs> yeah, he had not heard. In fact, as I said, this was a podcast I did on Mormon Book Reviews with Stephen Pinecker. And Steve even said, he goes, you know, there is, have you heard of Prop 8? And Reverend Crisman had not, although he had vetted and researched the church. He was not aware of that or, or said that he wasn't. So, and he hadn't heard of the November 15th policy. You know, there's just a certain happy message that's put out and it's confusing to people outside of the church. And I, I guess maybe I'll say deceptive to people outside of the church and confusing to people inside of the church, maybe is how we look at it. So yeah. let's read some of those statements. Why don't you read and tell us about this first one, Landon? This is President okay. Holland. President Holland, this is the famous musket fire speech given at uh, BYU. Uh, I the alumnus. During a commencement, right? Uh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I misspoke. It was given to faculty and faculty staff. Faculty members. Yes. And, and this shows you that there's a different message depending on who you're speaking yeah. to. Because when you speak to the faculty members, you can be blunt about what your expectation is. When you speak to the newspapers and to the world, right. you're reaffirming that you're not uh, being... Uh, prejudice towards anybody. But right. uh, here's what President Holland said. Musket fire? 
Yes, we will always need defenders of the faith, but friendly fire is a tragedy. And from time to time, the church, its leaders, and some of our colleagues within the university community have taken such fire on this campus. And sometimes it isn't friendly, wounding students and the parents of students, so many who are confused about what so much recent flag waving and parade holding on this issue means. Here he's talking about LBGTQ, and he's saying, hey, you guys are sending mixed messages to the families, to the students, to the parents, because you're supporting these uh, flag waving, uh, you know, they're waving the pride flag or parade parading through the campus. People were parading for support of that. And he said, this must not be, you're confusing the students and you're confusing the staff. And yet then they hire a PR director who <laughs> is at the parades and who is waving the flag and they're asking him to be the PR spokesman. So what is it, on Which yep. uh, the, Is it the faculty of BYU or is it the leadership of the church that's supporting the, the LBGTQ? Because you just said you're not and yet you just made a hire that says you are. Exactly. And in this case, um, this spoke to the conservative members of the church were like, damn right. Exactly. And the musket reference, it was interesting at the end of this, he said, I'd like to see a little more musket fire. I mean, it was definitely sort of a violent rhetoric and people have used that. Um, but the concept was um, in the early church, uh, the members had a shovel in one hand as they're building the kingdom and they had to have a musket in the others. They were defending. And so he took this metaphor as sure we can build the kingdom, but then there are times where we have to stand up and defend our doctrine and our state dance and point, looking at you, faculty and staff, you know, we cannot be showing support for these students, you know, that are trying to protest or to rally um, on behalf of the LGBTQ community. So BYU is a microcosm unto itself. But this talk definitely alienated. I personally know people that I never thought of would ever say anything um, about a talk given by an apostle who I would consider them very conservative. But on this particular issue, they really took exception and could not believe they were very put off by his words. So again, this confusion has been going on, bubbling under the surface for a long time. Um, here we have another quote by Oaks. And um, this is from, is it from conference, does it say? Or an interview, an interview yeah. where people, again, they keep asking these questions. What do we do about, you know, the LGBTQ community? And somebody had asked something about, you know, how do we show love and inclusion but not necessarily acceptance, you know, that very fine line. So he said, I can imagine some circumstances in, in which it might be possible to say, and this is, for example, parents have um, a child in a same-sex partnership and they want to come home to visit. So this is what you might say to them. Yes, come, but don't expect to stay overnight. Don't expect to be a lengthy house guest. Don't expect us to take you out and introduce you to our friends or to deal with you in a public situation. That would imply our approval of your partnership. I mean, this this quote is heartbreaking to me. And the even more heartbreaking thing is that some parents allow this to override their natural maternal and paternal instincts to just love your child, be happy in their path, celebrate their... Don't even go out in public. There's the elder gong situation, right? I can't show a picture of me sitting with my same sex uh, partnership with my son because it might show approval. And the other question brought up in this interview I'm now remembering is, should I like a post, you know, 
where somebody says, you know, here I am with my partner, you know, and there's great debate on that. Is liking a post, you're, you're supporting a person, but are you showing approval? And I've told this story before where a long time ago in a neighborhood I was in, there was a, a girl who said, I'm, you know, I'm going to get married. It's a same-sex marriage. I'm getting married. And then she alluded to the fact that her parents would not support. And so I was really pleasantly surprised that so many people in the neighborhood on Facebook supported, clicked like, people I never would have even thought would have, I thought would have taken more of a backseat, offered help. You know, she didn't have help in planning. She had no parent approval or support. Everybody gathered together, even to the point that at the reception, when her own parents would not stand with her in the picture, because of a quote like this, other people, especially couples of apparent age, stood with them to take pictures, to show the community supports you. So again, so confusing. So just frustrating that nobody knows what is really being said. What are your thoughts on that quote? I just, ooh, every time I read it, I can hardly even make the words. <laughs> yeah, th this is disturbing. Uh, and and I think it's not only, L, uh, you know, LBGTQ, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it's also uh, the fact that uh, you've got parents who do the same thing to children who have a faith crisis that you're not oh, invited to yeah. come and stay or or whatnot so right. this or is, aren't married and want to bring their partner that happens yeah. too yeah, it's yeah. Unmarried. Against, yeah we should be clear on that anybody that isn't living the lifestyle they're supposed to they're being told here by this quote no and these are the apostles this is the top leadership making these statements uh yet the top leadership clearly has the approval authority on the, you know, the public relations spokesman who is the spokesman for the church. They're certainly uh, approving of that person. And so that's why you're sitting here telling us these things in conferences, in interviews at, uh, at BYU, and yet you're saying something and projecting something completely different to the outside world. That is confusion. Again, we're gonna we're gonna finish each slide by just saying confusion, right? <laughs> oh, and that brings us to the Amy letter. So this was in a devotional for youth, I believe, and it was Elder Oaks again and his wife. And they were tackling the tough questions. And they claimed that a youth had written this letter. Most of us don't believe that a youth would have written this letter <laughs> at all. But do you want to read that, Landon? Yeah, no, uh, Jacob uh, Hansen uh, used this in his mm -hmm. podcast. That's, uh, yeah. This is one of the things he he gave as an example. Yeah. Uh, and this is Elder Oak saying, I just received a valuable letter from a 16-year-old girl who lives in a state where we have few members. I will call her Amy. Her letter is important because she expresses feelings that are common in young people all across the church. Amy's lengthy letter includes these portions. I have asked one of your peers to read her words. And then they had a video. Then they had a girl, video. Yeah, with a girl reading this. With a voiceover, yes. On the yeah. devotional, they showed this. She says, I feel like some. I sometimes get inconsistent and confusing messages from the church in my day-to-day -day life. I see members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on social media act as if they aren't part of this gospel. I feel like I am the only young woman in my ward who sees the things I see wrong with the world. I truly don't understand why so many youth in our church don't see any problem with people changing their gender every other day, dating people who are the same sex or identify as no gender. At ward or stake youth activities, I am asked my pronouns, or at school I am asked to dance with a girl who thinks she is a boy. 
I know we are supposed to love everyone and show them respect, and I always do. I just feel that there is a line being crossed. I wish we heard more talk from church leaders about this problem. Now, yeah. it's interesting here. This is the reason nobody believes this letter was really written by a young girl, because it's phrased to say, oh, yes, I'm always supposed to treat people well, and yeah. I do. It, it sounds just like the church. We're supposed to take care of these people, and we do. However, we can't allow this to occur. It sounds exactly like the kind of thing that they would say. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting because, first off, she 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 says, I, um, why... She she says, why on social media, uh, members of the church act as if they aren't part of this gospel. So yeah. it's not that the leaders of the church are acting as if they're not uh, part of the gospel. It's the members. The members are acting in this way. Why is that? Well, because the leaders haven't given them any direction. Uh, mm -hmm. They've told them both things to do. And so what she is seeing is exactly what the leaders have empowered the members to to, to do and and say and be. So, so it's not not uh, strange if a 16-year-old girl saw that, that the leaders of the church can't. And again, this makes it very simple that they're aware of the fact that the leaders yeah. haven't made it clear, and they don't seem to care. <laughs> they don't seem to care. And I love the last line because it really is musket fire. I wish we had a little more musket fire from the church. You know what I mean? They're yes. basically just saying, you know, come on, give us the ammunition that we need to really shoot this down. But they won't do it. So this was a very interesting letter. And then the answer was just, you know, a lot of just niceties and, but then some statements to make it clear like that other quotes. So again, just still look at that word. There it is. Confusion. Everyone on either side is confused. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to think? Isn't that why the Lord gives us prophets and apostles, uh, according to the church doctrine, is that yeah. they can see around corners. They can make very clear what we're supposed yes. to be doing and what the Lord's <laughs> will is in, yeah. in relation to these we all know we've all been around we've all seen the church long enough to know that what they do is they sit back and they wait for there to be a winner yep. and once there's a winner then they receive a revelation that comes down on the winning side that's yep. not leading that's not seeing around corners that's waiting till the game's over and then choosing which team you're going <laughs> to vote for I was for them all along. Even Ella Holland, there was a video put out a couple of years ago where he goes, the church is always 20 years behind the culture. And we're like, oh, but shouldn't it really be the other way around? Yeah, because be when we say church, according to the church, it's God. God is the one who's confused. God is the one who's behind. So it's just, it's a bigger question. But yeah, there's, uh, we could go on and on, couldn't we? All right, let's let's forge ahead to our next slide. So here are just a few more quotes uh, that we pulled out. Um, here's another one by Elder Oaks. Gender is eternal. Before we were born on this earth, we all lived as male and female spirits in the presence of God. So these are all things stated in conference talks, in interviews, things like that. Do you want to read the other one, Landon? This is yeah, President Nelson. Fundamental to us is God's revelation that exaltation can be attained only through faithfulness to the covenants of an eternal marriage between a man and a woman. The divine doctrine is why we teach that gender is an essential characteristic of individual, pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. Yeah, and these are both memes I pulled from Latter-day Help. So again, it's it's Latter-day Saints trying to put the words of their prophets out so that people can understand clearly, but then 
you see the actions. Do as I say, not as I do is really what it is. So at last conference in October, it would be October 2023, um, there were definitely a lot of talks uh, with some of this kind of rhetoric. And Axios Magazine covered it, I thought, in a really good way. It's pretty short. So I thought we would read through this just to kind of really clarify what we're hearing from the top. And the title was, go back one, sorry, I didn't read it. There we go. Okay. Mormon leaders double down on gender and uh, something else. Okay. Um, do you want to read the first one, Landon? In general conference talks this weekend, leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints stress the importance of heterosexual marriage to become exalted for eternity. The message used the powerful leverage of church teachings about the afterlife to reassert its conservative stance on marriage and gender. General Conference is the semi-annual gathering of church leaders in Salt Lake City where faith messages and policy updates are announced to members. Driving the news, Dallin H. Oaks, who is effectively the church's second in line after President Russell M. Nelson said Saturday that exaltation could be obtained only through an eternal marriage between a man and a woman in the Holy Temple. The union of a man and a woman in marriage is the highest and holiest manifestation of the church's power to link generations, said D. Todd Christofferson, member of the church's Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. The Lord has clearly taught that only men and women who are sealed as husband and wife will be together throughout the eternities, Nelson said in a video message Sunday. Yeah, so they really covered this uh, quite thoroughly in conference last, last time in October. Uh, why it matters. We continue with the article. Church teachings on gender, sexuality, and marriage have long created tension with the LGBTQ um, plus church members and allies, as well as single adults. Even if members remain chaste, the church teaches they cannot reach the highest degree of exaltation in the afterlife unless they marry someone of the opposite sex. That is why we teach that Quote, gender is an essential characteristic of individual eternal identities and purpose. Oaks said Saturday, it is church policy to discipline members who transition genders. We're going to talk about this a little later in, the, in our episode here. Context, among Christian traditions, Mormonism's teachings about the afterlife are particularly specific and detailed and frequently held up as the stakes of obedient membership. Only those in the highest or celestial kingdom will join their families for eternity, according to church teachings. The intrigue, Oaks stressed that Latter-day Saints' teachings about the afterlife are also more merciful than many other Christian beliefs. Rather than a selective heaven that relegates many to a fiery hell, Mormonism holds that nearly everyone will enjoy eternal glory in varying degrees. No other theology or philosophy or authority can match such an all-inclusive opportunity, Christofferson said. Of course, the problem with that is, as we have more recently been told by President Nelson, only those in the highest, highest degree of the celestial kingdom, those that are in a plural marriage, end up there. Everybody else in the terrestrial or celestial kingdom lose their genitalia. So they may be happy, but they're just living as an androgynous. Basically, their gender is removed. So it is all about gender, which is very interesting. Um, that was something brand new at conference, and we could do a whole podcast on that. Couldn't we, Land? <laughs> well, the fact that he says gender is an essential characteristic of an individual and eternal identity, and then uh, in, I think it was in the very same conference it where- was. Nelson gave that indication that you yeah. wouldn't have gender anymore uh, yeah. if you didn't uh, uh, didn't follow these teachings. But uh, to say, oh, we're being kind because we're saying that you will still be happy and receive a glory. Yeah. 
you just won't be as glorified as us yes. because we were heterosexual. Yes. We, we did this. We did that. Anyone who doesn't do these things, in fact, the church taught just uh, half, a quarter of a century ago, or it might be half a century now ago, that if you had the wrong color skin, you weren't going to receive eternal exactly. glory. So uh, they're saying, unless you're exactly like us, you won't receive eternal glory. But yeah. we're being, we'll be kind to you and throw you a bone. You won't burn in hell forever. <laughs> That's right. It's very punitive, and it definitely locks you down as far as things you can do within the church here on earth. And I guess maybe for those that don't know about what we're talking about with the, the lower kingdoms and gender, I'll just very quickly say, so, you know, there is a doctrine um, that talks about that, that only in the upper levels of the in the LDS doctrine, the celestial kingdom, can you procreate you know, do you have your gender, your genitalia needed to procreate? And in the other levels, you will be more like as a, as a child and you will not. So what President Nelson said is he talked about choices made on earth um, will affect the result of what kind of body you have or are resurrected with in the next life. So many people took that to mean, wow, you're threatening, you know, the kind of body that we're going to have that can only harken back to some older teachings where they talk about, um, you know, being able to procreate and what's necessary to procreate. So it, again, it's kind of a, people made jokes about, oh, that's a nice little penis you got there. Too bad. You know, <laughs> can I say that on the air? It was pretty funny. something fact, happened to it. Yeah. Yes. To be ashamed <laughs> something happened to that. Right. Exactly. And again, it's a whole nother kettle of fish or a, a, a pile of worms. We're really talking about the everlasting uh, covenant, and that is plural marriage. It is not one man and one woman. Again, we could do multiple podcasts on that. The upper levels are definitely not that. So very interesting. All right. Next page of the article, Landon. I think it's our last page. Yes, but Oaks repeatedly added that the church's purpose is to prepare members for the highest degree of exaltation. That exaltation excludes many LGBTQ plus people due to the prerequisite of a temple marriage, which the church only performs for heterosexual couples. So not many LGBTQ, well, by saying it excludes many LGBTQ plus people, the ones that aren't excluded are those who enter into a mixed, uh, exactly a, a mixed gender marriage or, or not mixed right. gender, but mixed uh where, where someone who is gay would marry someone who is straight right. in order to obtain that blessing, which exactly. leads to a whole lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, they were encouraged to do that. I, I had a, a roommate uh, that, that ended up in that situation. And, or again, it could talk about somebody who is LGBTQ that just chooses never to have a partner. Never. Yes, but you would and, that that would exclude you because you're not married. So the the only people who could make it there that are LGBTQ are those who marry uh, somebody that they're not attracted. Next orientation marriage. Although I think there is some thought that if you do not marry in this lifetime, that you can enter into a polygamous union in the celestial kingdom. So I think there is that thought that you could be exalted in that way. That's that's another one of, boy, we could do 20 different yeah. podcasts from everything we're just mentioning so casually. People are probably like, what are they talking about? All right, go ahead. That effectively makes queer members second-class citizens within Mormonism, not just during their lives, but for eternity, said Jacqueline Foster, who was raised in the church and still considers herself Mormon. Foster now attends Episcopalian church where she says her lesbian marriage isn't up for debate. What they're saying, you cannot preach that exaltation of, is a family matter 
while continuing to insist that queer people either will either find their marriage eternally invalid or be forced into a marriage that does not reflect their family on earth, Foster told Axios. Being taught that the best case scenario for your eternal progression is fundamentally unequal is extremely damaging as it teaches you to believe that you inherently deserve less love than others, Foster said. Yeah. Do we have one more page of that or was that the end? Yeah, I think that was the end of the article. So this reporter and this uh, newspaper definitely picked up on, on what's becoming more and more obvious. And again, the root of the confusion, don't you think, Landon? Uh, yeah, definitely the root. Uh, I think there's some other things that uh, go much uh, yeah. above ground as to why people are confused. And uh, the the one is this uh, uh, yeah. support of, uh, of a federal bill, a federal yeah. marriage bill uh, yeah. for same-sex marriage that the church supported. And this is by Tamara Kemsley and Peggy Flatcher Stack. Yeah, in the uh, Tribune. Yeah, from the Tribune, November 15, 2022. In a stunning move, LDS Church comes out for bill that recognizes same-sex marriage. Church doctrine still supports only man-woman marriage, but Scholar says the news reflects a dramatic reversal of previous teachings. Exactly. So look at the two sides within the church. Progressive, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Conservative, wait, what? And, and there was confusion for months on this. There was celebration. People believed, oh, finally, this is a bill that supports same-sex marriage. Look what they did. Look what they're saying. We're going to be moving in a certain trajectory. And so I think the church finally heard enough of that, that they had to come out with another statement in the church news to make sure that we all understood Again, on the surface, we were trying to be friendly, kind. It looks like we're supporting this, but what else is in this bill? The real reason they supported it. Go ahead and read that, Landon. Yeah, this is President Oaks came out and explains the church's position on the Respect for Marriage Act, uh, which was a, a bill supporting same-sex marriage. Uh, the act's necessary protections for religious freedom are a big step forward, the apostle says. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints took the position it did on the United States Respect for Marriage Act, signed into law in December 2022, because of the law's necessary protections for religious freedom. So said presidential, uh, President Dallin H. Oaks of the First Presidency at a Saturday morning meeting, February 11, 2023, with local church leaders and their spouses in Chicago, Illinois. The Respect for Marriage Act includes valuable provisions to assure that no federal or state laws can be used to harm the religious or conscientious right of faith-based institutions or their members, President Elk said. In the end, the total law ensures that religious organizations, religious schools, and their staff do not have to perform or host same-sex marriages or celebrations. It protects this tax-exempt status of religious organizations. It protects the grants, licenses, contracts, and accreditation of religious schools. And it specifically provides that its own provisions cannot be used to violate anyone's rights to religious freedom. Putting such protections in the federal law was a big step forward. So this side went, oh, and this side went, that's right, attaboy. <laughs> You know, again, so confusing because there was celebration in that. The other one was November, right? That little four-month period before they finally had to come out and say, hold on. No, 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 no. There was celebration. I do remember social media. I remember people saying they finally are supporting it. We're, we're headed that direction. But that was not the case. 
such and there's confusion. A, there's a reason there's a four-month um, break in there. They want the news to get out everywhere that they yeah. supported yeah. this bill. And they knew and that someone they... like Reverend Chrisman would see it. Exactly. And I think he probably did. Oh, look, they voted yes, because he talked about looking at their voting record. On the surface, LDS Church supports Defense of Marriage Same-Sex Union Bill. Didn't look farther. And the church does not want to clarify it. They want people to think that they're supporting this bill. Then they wait till all the hubbub dies down where they're no longer getting any traction out of the story. And then they come out and clarify, oh, no, no, we we voted for this because it allowed exactly the opposite reason. It We did not support this bill until they put in the provisions mm -hmm. that said that we could discriminate against mm -hmm. those people yeah. because of our religious beliefs, even though somebody else cannot. A, a, an employer can't. Uh, you can't uh, do it in housing, but we can we can at our schools, we can at our churches, we can still discriminate, and that's why we voted for it. And he made it very clear. So yeah. again, is there they're, they're playing both sides. They know what they're doing. There's a reason they didn't come out and clarify it right up front and make yeah. sure everybody understood. They waited for everyone to talk about it. They waited yeah. to hear what headlines, everybody thought. Headlines everywhere. Headlines everywhere. And then only when it became a problem among their conservative members did they yeah. once again step out with the apostles. You notice every time the apostles speak, they're, they're against LGBTQ policies. Yeah. Yet every time the church is acting in another role, with the outside world, they seem uh, uh, LGBTQ yep. Uh, affirming. Yep, it, it seems very calculated. And again, of course people are confused. Of course they are. I can't make sense of it myself. And notice that he, didn't it say that he made this announcement to a group of members and their spouses? Yeah, he, he exactly, the conservative base there who needed yep. to be reassured, don't worry, we're not, you know. I know the cynical me, says, you know, our new church spokesman hasn't made any announcements yet. I mean, it's not too late that they might actually say that he has to go home and spend time with his family. You know, I'm sure they didn't expect this kind of backlash from the conservative base. So I would not be surprised. Maybe I'm being cynical. I don't know. Yep. Oh, here's another case uh, where there was a reverse very quickly. What was this about, Landon? Everybody knows, but oh my goodness. Yeah, everyone knows the November 15th policy where the church came out and uh, effectively said that if you are the child of a uh, of a same-sex uh, mm -hmm. couple, or someone who has been married to a same-sex uh, couple, uh, you're no longer allowed to be baptized. You can't progress in the priesthood, uh, and you can't uh, really join uh, the church until you're 18 years old. And I believe much like the polygamous you probably have to be interviewed by a general uh, authority in order you to and you have to denounce your parents and denounce your parents and you their lifestyle denounce your own parents yes yes and uh this was one that was particularly uh uh problematic for me as i because i was in the middle of my faith crisis while, while this policy was out and uh the bishop uh, called me in because I hadn't showed up to tithing settlement. <laughs> it's always about the and money. We, follow the money. <laughs> follow the money. So we started talking about some of my concerns and we talked for three hours. And uh, this was one of the big ones. And I said to him, I said, this just does not make any sense. I cannot support a church that puts a policy out 
that tells the kids that even if the parent that, that's in the same-sex relation supports the child uh, activity in the church, that you limit that child. I can't, I, I said, I was the young men's leader. I'm going, how can you take a 12-year-old a boy, all of his friends are getting uh, moved up in the priesthood, and you tell him, well, because your dad's in a same-sex marriage, you can't move up. Now he goes to scout camp, and he can't participate when they do the, the deacon part of things. He can't, you know, he could go to scout camp, but he'd be excluded if they, when they pass the sacrament, he can't be a part of that. He's excluded from his own tribe. And I said, this is not a policy of, of uh, the, the God I believe in or the, the Savior that I believed in at the time. Well, he buckled down and he said, you know, it's it's important that we support the brethren. They see things that we can't and and we need to support this. And, you know, I I support the brethren. I know that there's a reason they do this. It's to protect the child, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, I, I, I just can't buy this uh, and, and I can't believe this. And I left that office and I never went back to church. The interesting thing, that was a discussion on Sunday, that Wednesday, they reversed the doctrine after we'd spent all of that yeah. time arguing over this and him assuring me that this was from God, it was reversed and uh, and the policy was removed. So this is a perfect example of the church says, oh, this is this is how we treat uh, same sex couples with and their children. And then all of a sudden they change it back and say, no, that's not. We treat them with respect and dignity and kindness and, and we minister to them. Um, no, you weren't ministering to them. You, <laughs> you weren't allowing them to grow in any way. Uh, you were, you were stopping them uh, from growing because of that. So, uh, that was a perfect example to me of, Hey, this is the confusion and I'm confused as to this does not agree with the, uh, with the, uh, articles of faith that said, mm -hmm. we believe the man will be punished for his own sins and not for Adam's transgressions. Now you're yep. punishing a child for their parents' actions and decisions. Yeah. That doesn't sit right with me, but uh, uh, that, that so that's a perfect example of that. Occurring. It is back and forth, confusion on all sides and people having to get on board with something that most people felt was very morally repugnant, yet they had to talk themselves into it. And then just like your bishop talked himself into it, tried to talk you into it, and then flip-flop, doesn't have to think about it anymore. So yeah, confusion. Let's see what else we have. Oh, this is a good one. This goes way back. You'll have to read this one, Landon. It's very uh, tiny. However, uh, this is Hiram Smith talking about polygamy, right? Yeah, this is this is kind of uh, it, it was kind of surprising to me because although I agreed with uh, with what the uh, faithful podcasters were saying uh, in a lot of cases, I was really surprised that they acted as if this is the first time this has ever happened. Anyone yeah. who's been in the church knows that there's been confusion about yeah. blacks in the priesthood, yeah. about polygamy. women in the priesthood, uh, about polygamy. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the list goes on and on and on of things that the church has spoken out of both sides of their mouth on and people are confused. Uh, this one happens to be polygamy. Uh, it was given by Hiram Smith, who was in the first uh, presidency at the time. This is given in, Mar in Nauvoo, March 15th, 1844. Uh, and it's written in the uh, Times and Seasons newspaper. He puts this out and he says, to the brethren of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints living on China Creek in Hancock County, greeting. 
Whereas Brother Richard Hewitt has called on me today to know my views concerning some doctrines that are preached in your place and states to me that some of your elders say that a man having a certain priesthood may have as many wives as he pleases and that doctrine is taught here, I say unto you that man teaches false doctrine, for there is no such doctrine taught here, neither is there any such thing practiced here. And any man that is found teaching privately or publicly any such doctrine is culpable and will stand a chance to be brought before the high council and lose his license and membership also. Therefore, he had better beware that he what he is about. In the bonds of the everlasting covenant, I am your obedient servant, Hiram Smith. So he comes out and makes it very clear that polygamy is not the doctrine of the church. I want to emphasize the date on this, March 15th, 1844. Uh, let's read the next paragraph. In July of 1843, so this is, uh, what, nine months earlier? Nine months prior, yes. Hiram conveyed a revelation from Joseph to Emma Smith, later becoming Doctrine and Covenants, Section 132, addressing the introduction of polygamy. By 15 March 844, the date of Hiram's above entry in the Times and Seasons, Joseph was clandestinely married to at least 33 women, with Emma being his only publicly recognized wife. Hiram, who had married uh, Mercy Fielding Thompson and Catherine Phillips in August 1843, contradicted himself in his statement. Any man that is found teaching privately or publicly any such doctrine is culpable and will stand a chance to be brought before the high council and lose his license and membership also. Therefore, he had better beware what he is about. Unfortunately, the brothers would not stand trial in this manner as judge and jury, as they were killed a few months later on 27 June 1844. So at the very time that he was sending the message that, brethren, we don't practice polygamy, it's not taught, nor is it practiced by anyone, including these that you say have a certain priesthood, when in fact he at the time was a polygamist, and Joseph had married 33 different women. This is a perfect example uh, of, of that. And again, this goes back to the church is now taught teaching that uh, the gospel has always been one man and one woman. That has not always been the doctrine. That is not the doctrine in the future. The doctrine in the future is plural marriage is the marriage set in heaven. That is the gospel. That is the doctrine. And yet the church wants to act like it's not. Yeah. This is a perfect example. Yeah, we just found this this morning. Somebody texted it to us. We're like, this is great. We're going to, it was Ron Jorgensen, our good friend. So, oh my goodness, we could go on and on, couldn't we? What do we have next? I think we're starting to wrap up here. Um. So, and then there are things in social media and, and some actions that seem to support the more conservative point of view. We have David Archuleta, who came out, you know, at first he was the church darling, right? Yep. And they were embracing him. He was singing at youth conferences. I personally have gone to a fireside that he sang at. But has he moved more toward his authentic self? Um, he has now said, the church is treating me like a pariah, right? Completely distance themselves from him. So that definitely aligns with what we said before, no support. Um, certainly don't hold him up as a role model. Um, the other picture is a friend of mine, Catherine. Um, who is a transgender woman, and uh, she makes sure to attend every conference session. She's a faithful Mormon, and she stands outside and gives out copies of her book and talks to people. Yet, um, I 
was in, on a podcast with her again on Steve Pinecker's Mormon Book Reviews, and she told just a story of horrific treatment within the church of her, um, you know, being sent home from activities or not allowed to participate and not being allowed in the temple, you know. So, so again, ward roulette perhaps, stake roulette, um, but she's active and trying to participate has had some really negative experiences. Um, I came across this post from Latter-day Stories. This was a couple years ago. Um, it happened again over the last few months. I have been telling you about a recent spike in excommunications, withdrawal of membership among legally married same-gender Latter-day Saints. I have been following 11 couples who have been notified that their membership in the Mormon church was in jeopardy if they did not dissolve their marriage leave their spouse, and remain single and celibate. There seems to be a correlated effort to eliminate married gay couples from the public view of the other Latter-day Saints. Now, this is in 2021. This view, very much applauded and supported by the more conservative side of the church and seems to um, be right in line with the doctrine that we've been hearing doctrine and all the different quotes we've had from apostles and prophets. So do these other actions. Um, but then in more recent years, um, we've heard that they are not excommunicating same-sex couples. I know of a story where a same-sex couple was excommunicated. The next week, there was more instruction to stakes that said, uh, let's not really go there automatically. And, you know, the state president went to the couple and said, you know, I'm sorry, because <laughs> you know, it's literally just been a week where it was the hard policy, and then there was a softening. So that kind of point of view, more underground, seems to support more what the progressives are hoping for. So again, just complete confusion on everything. What are your thoughts on these pictures? Well, this is one of the things that uh, Jacob discussed pretty uh, extensively on his podcast. And one of the points he brought up, uh, he had a bishop, I'm trying to remember the bishop's name, uh, that was uh, a clip from a bishop who does a pro podcast friendly to queer people. Yeah. And, and he had on Osler. there. Bishop Osler. Bishop Papa. Osler. Papa yes. Osler. Yes. yes. And he had on someone uh, that was transgender. Yeah, we have a picture of that, I think, on our next slide. Or we have, we have a, that? yeah, we do. We have a little note there. There it is. Laura oh, Harrigan there. and on the um, Learn and Love hosted by Papa Osler right there. Yeah, learn and love, yeah. and and he wrote a book that you can get at Deseret Book uh, on on queer Mormons. Uh, but he he talked to a, someone who was transgender who had joined the church after they had they had already transitioned, and then they joined the church. Well, in order to join the church, they had to get uh, the permission from the mission president and also uh, permission from the first presidency in order to join the church. This person was granted permission to be baptized, that they could attend uh, as a woman to Relief Society. It was a, a male who had transitioned to a female, uh, that the sister missionaries could teach her. Yeah. And this was very problematic to these uh, conservative podcasters because they're saying, wait a minute, uh, if, if gender is eternal, how is she able to, how is this person able to attend Relief Society, how are right. the, the missionaries sisters. able yep. to teach her? Uh, they're, they're considering her a uh, a woman. Right. The church considers her a woman. Therefore, this is problematic. And you can see why there would be confusion related to that. Right. Although she was not allowed to attend the temple, as she I would understand not be allowed She would to never be allowed church. to attend the temple, which is then itself unusual, too. It almost speaks to the idea, we'll work this all out later. 
you know, it, because exactly. the temple is what you're supposed to be, you know, it's starting. But we just read, church. we just read, yeah. that's the purpose of the church yeah. is to get you to, to that upper kingdom. That's all that they're focused on. So yeah. Uh, that that's problematic, and they 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 bring that up. But likewise, she could go to Relief Society. But if there was a member of the church who was sitting in that same Relief Society class who decided that she wanted to transition to a male, she would be excommunicated right. for doing uh, right. that same thing, which sends a mixed message. And we see the same thing in the missionary program. Um, we're aware of a uh, a missionary who uh, is gay. Mm -hmm. openly gay yeah. uh, and uh, decide to go on a mission, which is allowed. Uh, but at this case, then uh, you've got a, a gay missionary who is roommating with another male, which would seem to be contradictory to what uh, the church teaches, you know, that a male and a female who might be attracted right. couldn't room, but a male, two males could. And so, there have been issues, unfortunately, and, with people asking to be transferred or you know there's just been problems the parents have not been on board and this is just the sweetest kids so but again very confusing right a male and a female would not be allowed to to room together so uh, be companions i guess is what we're saying so uh, confusion everywhere it, and i was going to say my friend Catherine, that's her scenario she i don't believe is allowed to attend you know there's there's all these issues not allowed to attend really setting the difference seems to be um I'm not sure if that's true or not now that I say it, but I think that she had talked about some problems, um, you know, transitioning before and then deciding to do it after. So again, it, it's there doesn't seem to be any kind of direction or anything. Everybody's trying to figure it out. And these are people's lives. People are being hurt every day by these decisions and they're being set aside. So other things um, that were brought up on the different podca podcasts that we showed clips from, um, we have Charlie Bird, former Cosmo, celebrated Mormon, and, you know, his marriage, you know, there he is. Well, I would say like, Cosmo is the cougar. Yes, uh, BYU sorry, cougar a mascot. mascot. Yes, yes, a beloved mascot a few years ago at BYU, and he is openly in a same-sex marriage. Um, it's celebrated everywhere, and he even poses with, I believe that's the former young women's president. Um, anyway, seems to be celebrated by the, by the church, at least, in this celebrity way different from David Archuleta, who seems to have been set aside. Um, what, the book that you pointed out, Blair Osler, yep, that definitely, I mean, the book is called Queer Mormon, Queer Mormon Theology. And it's all about, you know, love, acceptance, and our brothers and sisters and, and how they should be allowed to participate in church. And then really interesting, Word Radio, which is a faithful podcast, um, they even discussed are all of these actions, you know, it's kind of do as I say, do as I do, not as I say, almost is what it is. I think I got that reversed. These actions seem to be paving a way for some kind of a change in policy on same-sex marriage in the future. They made the point that if you're like rolling out a product, I think they said, or something, you pave the way, you you place things there, little breadcrumbs for people to pick up on. And I think that's what the progressive Mormons are picking up on. And being very hopeful for that change. But the conservative Mormons are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not what this church is. And neither of them are wrong. That's what we're saying. We agree. They're not wrong on this mixed message. And this to me is absolutely unforgivable mm -hmm. for the church. If they know that they're heading a certain direction, which they should, if they're in communion with God, why are you 
taking this step by step? Why aren't you just making the announcement? Because this confusion destroys lives. You're telling uh, gay young men, young women to not find a partner, to live singly for the rest of their lives. Now, what happens when that person does that for 20 years and then all of a sudden the church says, oh, no, it's OK now. You can do that. That person just ruined their life, could have been in a happy relationship for their entire life, and they they weren't. This is the equivalent of knowing that you're going to repeal polygamy and yet telling a guy to go ahead and marry another woman, knowing that in two months you're going to undo that and he's going to have to now unmarry that person. That well, he, that's post-manifesto polygamy it, that you're describing. Exactly Again, that. they stopped polygamy. They sent people to Mexico. Keep doing this. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's going to be okay. They did that into the you know 1920s. So that's another hot, hot button too, post-manifesto polygamy. But you're right. Destroys lives, destroys families. That's exactly right. And, and that's what they're doing with, with this policy. But I agree with Ward Radio. Again, the, the post-Mormons and, the, uh, and <laughs> the, the believing Mormons are on the same. Cats and dogs living together is an insanity. Yeah, if, if there's no chance for this woman to ever progress in the church, uh, why would you allow a transgender person in unless you're going to, you need somebody there in order to grant the blessing to? You can't yeah. allow someone to go to the to the temple if you don't have somebody in place that you can allow to go to the temple. They're slowly letting people in. They're slowly moving towards that. They will allow same-sex marriage in the future, but the fact that they won't admit that, the fact that they can't get God to commit to it right now, God's wavering in his mind as to what to do, and to say, oh, no, that's doctrine that won't change, that's that's just baloney. We have saw the change in polygamy. We yeah. saw the change with blacks in the priesthood when we were told they would never get the priesthood. We were yeah. told polygamy would never change, that it would always be the eternal law. They changed their policy to match the cultural changes of their time, or they know they'll lose their membership. And that's the direction they're going. They're 20 years behind the rest of the world, but they will make the change eventually. Yeah. Wow. You're on a soapbox there, Landon, but you are not wrong. The last picture we didn't talk about is um, a wonderful woman named Liv who was invited on, I think this was maybe education week, I think, yeah, where I the think presidency, so. yeah, the young women, no, that's the actual Relief Society presidency, I think. And, and she's a wonderful queer woman. Um, she's, a, I think, a young women's president in her ward. And so again, conservative members are questioning why, why is this being held up, this action where what we're hearing from the pulpit is not the right thing. But you know, the church is not, the church is right to be terrified of losing one side or the other. I think about the lifting of the priesthood ban, and I didn't know this till just recently. We did a podcast with our friend Liz Phillips, who was raised in the Apostolic United Brethren, which is a Rulin Allred's polygamous group. So we were talking to her, and she mentioned um, that when the priesthood ban was lifted in 1978, they saw a huge influx of mainstream Mormons who would not stay in the mainstream church without that restriction. And they started to attend the AUB, which still held those restrictions in a more fundamentalist way. And I know I had heard, you know, in the South, many wards had to shut down because, you know, this is all kept very quiet, that people would not abide by this. So when there's such a difference on, in belief, 
between these two sides. Eventually, when a step is taken, something is repealed, a ban is lifted, same-sex marriage is allowed, it's going to happen. One side or the other is going to drift away. And like you said, what did you say again? Plausible tithability? I think it might all come down to that. And, and I'd <laughs> like to point out on the picture on the left that the, uh, that the queer... Uh, uh, activist is what she was at BYU. She was an activist, yeah. uh, was invited up on stage at yeah. BYU and and touted by the entire Relief Society president, General Relief Society president, see, as their friend, as someone yeah. very special. Yeah. And yet in conference, there's a talk specifically against activism against the church. Mm -hmm. There's specifically talks saying that uh, L LGBTQ people are not uh, you know, welcomed or that they're not going to uh, allow them. And yet then that's exactly what they yeah. do during BYU Education yep. Week is yep. parade, parade her up on stage. And again, you notice that that was the General Relief Society presidency that brought yes. her up. You're Foster. not going to see an apostle bring mm -hmm. somebody up. Nope. They're giving it to the women who they don't yep. have any authority and saying, well, you guys can be kind to her while we continue to say the the, the mean things that exactly. we've said. Yeah, which is what Ward Radio pointed out. They're like strategically placing brand changing media, just getting people used to it until there are some bigger, you know, announcements from the authority. And again, I don't think anybody is wrong in what they're seeing here or how they're reacting to it at all. Because the message at the top is so unclear, both sides of their mouth. So do we have one more slide? One or two? <laughs> we really have both been on soapboxes. Um, again, yes, showing this is as actions, um, restore faith matters, very LGBTQ inclusive and friendly. And, and, you know, that's kind of their ideology. We've got the picture of the church spokesman again to show that this was a bit, this was a major overt action right there. And that's why this is kind of all boiled up. As we said, again, you know, somebody like the wonderful Reverend Chrisman, they're blessing a dog. He actually says they bless spiders too, just as a side note. So, so cute. Uh, but again, research the church and, and believe that they would be a perfect um, uh, roommate for his congregation. So mixed messages everywhere, signals everywhere. I, I don't even know what to think except for to just wait and see what's going to happen next. Do we have one more slide, I think? Yep, there it is. Dazed and confused. Yep, everybody is. Well, I, you know, I, I step back and I look at this from my new perspective that I, I didn't, I couldn't see when I was in the church. And that's the, that's the position right now that, uh, that the podcasters on the faithful side are it is they're so deep in the church, they can't understand this confusing message. But for those on the outside looking in, it's pretty clear what's happening here is the church is going to make changes. They're softly introducing those to the members because they don't receive revelation from God. They act as a corporation does when they're introducing a new product. They sample it. They fill it out. They wait Survey. to see surveys, see how the customer base <laughs> responds to it. And then when it's obvious whether it's going to be successful or not, they then make a, a decision and they introduce one way or the other. That's how they've acted all through time. And that's what they're doing here. So although I agree with them that they should, if they are actually apostles and prophets called of God 
taking the voice of God and sharing it with us, they absolutely shouldn't be no confusion. They should be producing this. But if you look at them as these are just men packaging a product, trying to figure out the best way that will be received by the most people that will maintain the biggest profit and the most ties, this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, 100%. I think we've hit it on the head. And we have no answer except for to say we agree with everyone, right? <laughs> everyone is perfectly justified in what they're seeing and feeling and, and all of their confusion. And I don't know what's going to happen next, but I think everybody is definitely watching to see what the next move of the church will be. Because whatever they do, whether like, for example, the spokesman, if he comes out with a statement, he is the church spokesman. If somehow he's not really allowed to speak for a while and then maybe steps down, that's a statement. Anything they do, people are just watching because it means something. They have put themselves in that position by not being clear about who they are. So we'll just have to watch and wait and see and podcast about it, right? That's what we always do. <laughs> that's what we do. So, uh, Thank you for watching, everybody. Please um, comment. What do you think about this situation? Um, do people have the right to be confused? Should the church come out and be more clear? Uh, what do your family members think? What are you talking about? What are you hearing? Uh, we would love to hear your take on all of this. Please like and subscribe to Mormonish. And if you would like to be made aware of when our new episodes drop, you can hit that notification bell and you'll get notified. Also, if you would like to financially support Mormonish podcast, we always have links in the show notes to PayPal and to Venmo. And we certainly express our appreciation to those of the, you that do. It just means so much to us. And thank you so much again for watching and for listening. And we'll see you next time on Mormonish. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.